It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Carr. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker's debuts by looking at some other Reds debuts in the All-Star game. And I've got a lot of draft stuff to get to with our friend Jeff Ellis from the Locked On Indians podcast. He covers everything about the draft. We're going to talk a lot with him about that today. Jam-packed episode. Thanks for joining me. Let's roll the graphic. Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, guys? Welcome in and gals. Welcome into the Locked On Reds podcast today on this All-Star Tuesday. If you're just finding the show here on YouTube, Make sure you're subscribed. I've got something for you every day talking about our Cincinnati Reds. And if you're listening on a podcasting app, make sure that you're following the podcast. You can follow me on Twitter as well at Jeff Carr with three F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds and save the Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. All right, today, real quick, I want to get to this all-star stuff. We've got a lot of draft stuff coming up today, but real quick, let's talk about the all-star game because Jesse Winker and Nick Castellanos are going to be batting fifth and sixth respectively, starting in right and left field. Looking forward to seeing what they can bring to the table as the last time we saw the All-Star game, Joey Votto and Scooter Jeanette both homered. In fact, Scooter is the uh, first debut that I want to get to when you look at what Reds have done in their All-Star game debuts because that was his only appearance in 2019, and he hit a two-run home run in the bottom of the ninth to send it into extras. The American League ended up winning in extras, but that's beside the point. You also go back to 2017, talking about Reds debuting in the All-Star game with a hit. Zach Cozart made an appearance. He actually started at shortstop and hit ninth. He got his first hit in his first at-bat in the third inning off of Dellen Betances. It was a single. He ended up going one for two on the day. That was the first hit by a Red in the All-Star game since 2010 whenever Scott Rowland made his debut as a Cincinnati Red his first 
uh, Red's appearance. He had been in the All-Star game before that because Scott Rowland was awesome. But he got a hit. He came into that game off the bench and relieved David Wright in the fifth inning. He singled off Phil Hughes a couple innings later. He went one for two on the day. Then you have to go all the way back to 2005 for the next Reds debut with a hit in the All-Star game. It was Felipe Lopez. You might remember Felipe. He went one for two in that game as well. Got a single after relieving Aramis Ramirez at third base, which is interesting because he always played shortstop for the Reds, but he had a hit in the eighth off of Joe Nathan. The reason that you'll remember Felipe Lopez, though, was not for that hit. He was involved in that god-awful trade that the Reds sent him, Austin Kearns, Ryan Rack, Wagner, to the Nationals for Gary Majeski, Bill Bray, Royce Clayton, and a bag of peanuts. All right, not a bag of peanuts. There's a couple other uh, prospects who didn't really amount to anything, but let's be honest here. The best player that the Reds got back in that trade was Bill Bray. And if you're telling me that the career of Austin Kearns, coupled with Felipe Lopez and Ryan Wagner, amounted to Bill Bray, yeah. Anyway, let's uh, let's go back to talking about the All-Star game because we have to go all the way back after 2005. We go all the way back to 1992, whenever Bip Roberts made his only All-Star appearance. He went two for two after replacing Barry Bonds in the seventh inning. Notably, he hit a two-run single in the ninth inning against Dennis Eckersley. It was not anywhere near as dramatic as Scooter Jeanette's two-run homer, though, because the National League was already down 13-4. to And that is the first multi-hit Reds performance in the All-Star game since Ken Griffey Sr. in 1980. Yeah, let that sit in for a minute. Since 1980, the Reds have only had two multi-hit performances, and the last one was in 1992. Maybe uh, Castellanos can flip that today. Who who knows? We'll see. Maybe at least Castellanos and Winker can lead the National League to a win. They won three times in a row there from 2010 to 2012. But overall, in my lifetime, since 1989, the American League is 25-6. and six. Yeah. That's uh, what you call domination. So hopefully they can reverse that trend tonight. All right. We've got a lot of draft stuff to get to. I want to talk about that here with Jeff, Jeff Ellis here in a minute. Before we get into that, though, I wanted to let you know that if you need a part for your car, the best place to go is rockauto.com because they've got every single part for your car and they can send it right to your door. They've been doing this for over 20 years, a family owned business. And whether you are a professional mechanic or you're just an everyday Joe, that's trying to replace a brake pad, they have the same prices for you as well. If you've got a classic car that you're trying to restore, or if you've got a Honda civic that you want to reupholster, it's all the same. Same prices. There is no price tiers or anything like that. They're not trying to get one over on easy because rockauto.com is reliably low prices on all of their parts. And they have all the parts for your car. Go to their website and in the checkout section in the How'd You Hear About Us area, type in Locked On to let them know that your pal Jeff sent you from the Locked On Reds podcast. I get my parts from rockauto.com and you should too. Go to rockauto.com and in the checkout section, type in the How'd You Hear About Us area locked on rockauto.com has all of the parts that your car will ever need new game day shirt boom cash back food for the tailgate 
Boom, cash back. Even buying around can earn you cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. In sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the win, but you know what's guaranteed to win? Discover Cashback Debit. Did I mention there are no fees, period? This one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. All right, for these next couple of segments, there has been the MLB draft going on currently. That was really great English, but whatever. The Reds have been making some picks, and so have all of the other teams. The Reds had three first-round picks to work with this year when it came to the compensatory rounds and things like that. So lots of talent has been added to the Reds' farm system. And the man who has been all over this, he is the host of the Locked On Indians podcast, but he is also all over everything MLB draft. He is Jeff Ellis, and he joins me here today. Jeff, I appreciate you taking some time to talk some Reds draft with me because when it comes to the talent that the Reds have added, I'm not necessarily super knowledgeable, but I know you are. First of all, though, how you doing, man? I'm, gonna, I'm doing well. I'm going to have some trout wine right here. Oh, that's a good thing right there. That's a good uh, way to start. You know, start referencing the most recent pick of the Reds. If anyone's out there going, what is he talking about? I swear I'm not. Uh, just having some fun with people. I like it. We're, we're going to dive into this here because I wanted to start, obviously, the first pick. And we, we've talked about this before. I've had you on in years past talking about the draft. Nobody drafts for current needs. They draft for future needs. They try to look down the road multiple years and see what the organization is going to look like. So whenever there were fans who saw that Matt McLean is a shortstop, their immediate first reaction was, well, what about Jose Barrero? Don't they like him? It's not that way at all. But tell me about this dude from UCLA. Well, he's not a shortstop. Let's be honest. He's a shortstop in college, but I don't think he's uh, no one really thinks he's going to stick there. Everyone talked about the top eight in this draft and then the draft got weird. Top eight slid all around. I was working on my big board. Yes, there is kind of an eight names type of deal, but I had 12. I had a 12 cutoff where then things started to shift a little bit more. Uh, And those top 12, especially in kind of the eight to 12 range, are really push them around, change them in and out how you want. I thought they were all kind of similar. And Matt McLean was the last of that group. So I think he was a, a good value, just plain and simply there. Uh, if he doesn't break his finger at the beginning of May, he might go in the top five. Uh, the analogous player from a year ago might be Dylan Dingler from Ohio State, who, you know, we're both Ohio people. I don't know how many of our fans follow Ohio State baseball. It can be a little bit brutal to follow that uh, in general. But Dylan Dingler was the... Uh, the catcher whose fallback position was center field at two years of okay stuff. And then really started to break out before COVID happened. No one knew what to make of him. I put him 14th on my big board because he had enough outlying information that I'm like, this is a player who could be on the rise. And then he slid because he didn't get those opportunities. Teams will never admit to it, but may matters more than any other month. Like if you are a hitter and you're hot in March, in cold in May and you're hot in May and cold in March and have the exact same numbers, you might see 40, 50 pick difference between those players because teams very much are, what have you done for me lately? And it's also, when do they get out to see them? And you understand it to a degree too, to be fair, like if it's an SEC player, May is a lot harder level of competition than March where I'm a big Tyler Black, Wright State fan, but Wright State faced Vandy in March and Tyler Mm -hmm. Black did 
get a big hit off of, uh, you know, keeping it in Ohio here off of Kumar Rocker, which also helped for him. But yeah. facing a right state versus facing the SEC schedule, you get that to a degree. McLean getting hurt. I mean, it, it, I don't think it's a pun, but it's just bad English to say getting hurt hurt his value. But uh, <laughs> it did. It's one of those situations where he doesn't break that. I, I had him like ninth on my board, and then I got to see other players and continue to judge and evaluate, and he slid down to 12 because of the injury. Um, I just didn't. His first year was not great. Uh, he had he was a slow starter this year as well, which was not ideal. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if he had that extra time, I feel like he would have been higher than this. Like if nothing else, it's like, you know, if you're going to debate Freilich versus McLean, uh, if McLean had more data, the Brewers probably would have leaned in maybe more to McLean than Freilich. I can't say that for sure. I mean, I ended up having Freilich higher on my board, uh, just due to a whole having more good data. Whereas McLean, it was just this year. He's, you know, I'll be curious to see, do you try him in center field? Do you try him at second base? Those are probably the two most likely positions. But, you know, he's a first and a good prospect. There's some uh, Garrett Mitchell to him. When you're just looking at another kid who went to UCLA, had that uh, high, you know, potential first round value out of high school, struggled as a freshman, and but had the traits and tools, and people really liked him. So I, I think that is a strong pick. And I, like I said, I had him 12th on my big board. Before my final correction, he was ninth, and I would not have argued anyone who wanted to save the top ten player in this draft. You you love to see the fact that he was a first rounder out of high school, and he had the option to go to UCLA. What kind of trajectory do you think he has? Is it uh, two years, three years? What are we looking at with McLean? Fully healthy, I'd just probably lean more to the three because I think there's still just more development to occur. Like I said, lost the 2020 season like everyone did. His 2019 was not good. Uh, at least top of my head. I think I could watch me be wrong there, but that's just top of my head. Uh, trying to remember, I believe that you know a lot of his value kind of came from what we, he showed in the summer and the physical tools he had to begin with. And like I said, it was a slow start this year. He's finally starting to get together, broken finger. So I, you know, I, things are weird now. Uh, <laughs> the Indians promoted a draft pick, uh, for instance, who they took last year is already in Double A, and the Indians are the king of the slow p- plays i don't know the how fast or slow the reds typically are but we're seeing teams be more aggressive uh in general so maybe it's two but i would more lean towards three okay and, and kind of thinking of him like uh, the second and third base and maybe he plays in some outfield or something like that it's it's interesting to note that you know, you've got guys moving around. I, I just like the athleticism with the pick because it seems here lately the Reds have really relied on third baseman to play the athletic positions on the field. And I notice a departure from that with the pack with the pick of Matt McClain. Um, kind of moving on because uh, th- there's a lot to get to with these right, different I was guys. Just, uh, laughing there oh, yeah. if anyone heard that because I was looking at. You know, as the draft is occurring, I'm kind of clicking over to look at the list. Uh, the Indians took a guy I've been projecting them to take since 2020. So it's just humorous when that finally happens. Or I'm like, oh, this is such an Indians type of guy. I mean, cares and it just happens. So I apologize when I'm laughing on air. But yeah, with the Trent yeah, Denholm pick there, I'm like, oh, hey, that's funny. That's all right. Get, get, get a hit on that pick. That, that's a good yeah. one. Um, 
uh, let's look at the second pick of the Reds real quick. It's interesting to note, like looking at the different guys that they've picked throughout the many rounds, most of them are college players. This guy's not. He's a high schooler, outfielder, Jay Allen from John Carroll High School. How does Jay look? Number one, uh, how how talented is he? Where does he project to play on the field? He is, you know, he's a three sport player. Uh, he, there was a feeling like he could have probably played at a lower division football. Uh, he wasn't like a big, you know, he's not like the Will Taylor or the uh, Lonnie Whites when it comes to football, but he could have still played there. He had a lot of late first round run. I, if I pull up my big board, which I mean, I have open, I just have to scan. I think I had him like a little bit lower than this. I want to say he ended up being like high 40s for me, okay. but. Uh, 47 was where I ended up slotting him just because he is raw. He is developmental. We know Oakland likes athletes though. Uh, it's one of those things that we know well about this. It's one of those things that uh, I've been hearing for years with them. It's a good athletic profile. He is a big kid. He runs well. There's power projection. Uh, he fits their type. I was not surprised to see that selection at all. Uh, he's a lottery ticket. Okay. I, I like I like lottery tickets. Hopefully the Reds can kind of capitalize on that upside. Do you think because the, the question was with him and I, I heard the conversation with the Red Scouting Director Brad Metter that they have long conversations with high school prospects to figure out if they are ready for the major leagues and get that feel for him. Not only is he ready for the major leagues, but do you think he will sign or will he opt to go to college and try and bet on himself in three years, maybe get in a higher draft slot? He's going to the Reds. Everyone's signing this. <laughs> you know, I know I, I, okay. it always comes up, but like I have I have zero doubt that he is going to end up a red. Uh, he was I will say this uh, looking at their list in front of me right now. He was my third rated player. The Reds grabbed in this year's draft. So I had him. They grabbed three of my top. Uh, what I said, he was 47. So they grabbed three of my top 47. And he was the, the third of that listing. It's always good to hear. Moving on to hopefully who is the third guy on that list. You're right. You are 100%. Matt, yeah, I, I, I like the fact, and I know that you mentioned that um, McLean's not really a shortstop, but I like the fact that they're focused on the center of the field because I was having a conversation with the Reds uh, guy off the air a couple of days ago about that. It's like they've asked some corner guys to play in the middle, and it's worked to a degree, but it's also been frustrating to watch. Now they're going to go from middle to um, uh, go, you know, build from the outside there. I, I, I like the idea that they're taking the athletes and stuff like that there in the middle. Uh, what do you think about Matt Nelson and how he profiles in this farm system? So as a big Matt Nelson fan, now he is, there's a lot of players where you kind of get this line of, uh, is he a senior? Isn't he a senior? Yeah, he has more years of eligibility, but he has a 99 birthday. A lot of people kept acting like he was a true senior. Now, there isn't a player in this class. Well, I guess there would be a few who couldn't go back to college uh, just because they shouldn't have been there. You know, not say they shouldn't have been, but you under, like in a normal year, they would have graduated last year. So they get that yeah. extra year of eligibility. Nelson still would have had another year. I still think, which... I make a big deal about this when I'm doing my writing. Teams have to go through and look at cost per player, and you have to value that into a player's cost. Uh, for me, it was easy to make Henry Davis number one. Not only did I think he was a fantastic bat, a fantastic player, but when I factored in cost, it put him in a tier by himself. Uh, 
I know a lot of people don't agree with me with that. And a lot of people didn't have Davis one, but you can see what the pirates did. And that's why you have to factor costs. Like, I mean, they came back and rocked it in round two and three. I mean, there wasn't anyone out there who was not like, wow, that's impressive. And again, Henry Davis was worthy of the first overall pick just on what he did. But when you factor in cost, for me, it became a no brainer. And when you look at Matt Nelson, when you factor in what is likely going to be cost uh, as well, it's a bit of a no brainer there too. Cause I mean, he really broke out this year. Uh, for Florida State. I think he ended up leading the country in home runs. He's not the best defender, but he's good enough. And one of those situations, especially if we get to uh, the robot umps, uh, those guys who are mediocre defenders, it becomes uh, better for them. Right. Because framing is going to be a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I, and I also just like to see a guy who, you know, he was okay. He was okay. I mean, he obviously put in the time. He put in time in 2020 when everything else a lot of people, myself included, uh, you know, it's 2020, I'm staying indoors. I added a few pounds. Uh, I got that COVID weight. He did not. He worked. And you like to see that guy who put in the work. And just from a production standpoint, I ended up with him, just to give, again, the whole comparison. I think he was high 30s on my board, 34. So I had him as the 34th best player in this class. Uh, I just, I like, yeah, there's a good chance he falls on his face you know he does have some risk because the margin for error for him is thin but i mean you also have to just be patient uh with any catcher i mean reds fans know that as well as anyone with power hitting catcher named tyler uh stevenson there who was what the 11th overall pick back in the day and there were points where people had written him off and catchers are as risky as pitchers like that just needs to be known people don't realize that even probably more so and you know i i talked about on the draft prot podcast i was kind of curious as i was digging into catchers over the last three years there are two catchers who every single year have qualified played enough to qualify and have a runs created plus over 100 and that's grandel and real mudo and you think of the cost to have them i mean just finding someone who is league average and can play every day is a near impossible task so uh, if nelson can give you that then you've got what a top three catcher just out of the gate uh whenever that player gets there i mean he's not there tomorrow but i think the value of that position can never be understated it's huge and that's why i mean that's why the pirates went for henry i understood that i know there's a lot of people that were freaking out about that but you know if you can hit on that guy and you get that sure thing behind the plate then everything else on the infield and in the lineup just gets that much better because you see so many teams that are just like man let's uh I don't know, let's plug a Martin Maldonado in there and he's going to catch and he'll hit every other three days or something like that. So it's nice to see whenever guys get the high upside like a Matt Nelson, hopefully the Reds can develop to that. I wanted to look at one more pick before I got your take on a sleeper. And uh, we've gone quite long here on this segment. <laughs> I appreciate you doing <laughs> Sorry, this. Sorry, I, uh, I no, no, be a talker. I, I can't help myself <laughs> when it comes to the draft. Hey, it's all right with me. Uh, we have actually, we'll get to that in just a moment because I also forgot we need to shout out our sponsor, betonline.ag. They have a great offer. If you go there today, set up your profile, put in the promo code locked on, you'll get 50% added onto your initial deposit. Plus, I'll give you a tip from time to time. With the All-Star game tonight, not really feeling one sort of way, whether it comes to winner or loser. The over-under is set at 11, which I kind of think is 
about right. And uh, we mentioned earlier on in today's podcast that uh, the AL kind of owns this matchup ever since I've been alive, 26 and 5 since 1989. Just uh, absolutely ridiculous how they've owned this matchup. So maybe the NL can come back this year. They do have the uh, the right guys in the 5 and 6 hole and Castellanos and Winker. So we'll see how that goes. But check out betonline.ag. They got great uh, lines for the All-Star game. For the NBA Finals, you can check out Futures for the NFL, MMA, boxing, all that good stuff, betonline.ag, and set up your profile with the promo code Locked On to get 50% added onto your initial deposit. All right, I almost forgot that I'm glad that I uh, kind of remembered it. <laughs> it's going to be a weirdly chunky uh, mid-segment there, but hey, that's all right because we're talking about the future of this Reds farm system. And one more guy specifically before we jump into some sleepers, the first pitcher that the Reds took this year in Andrew Abbott and a shout out to our friend Chad Dotson over at Red Leg Nation Radio. I'm sure he'll be happy to see a Virginia dude in the Reds organization. What do we know about Abbott? How does he profile? I, I know that the last time the Reds took a pitcher, his name is Nick Ladello, and we're looking to see him maybe later this year, hopefully at least definitely at the beginning of next year, what does Abbott look like in his development? So I was just kind of doing a quick search because wasn't Nick Howard from Virginia as well? Just to I, kind of uh, go yeah, back uh, and, yeah, and well, talk about some uh, recent. Ver- so the <laughs> the issue with Virginia is uh, this gets me in trouble with some Virginia fans all the time. Virginia uh, success rate to the majors is is horrific. Uh, fifth best player from the University of Virginia to get to the big leagues is Brandon Geyer. Uh, they have produced zero starting pitchers who have uh, successfully transitioned to the big leagues in the history of the MLB draft. Uh, oh <laughs> the one player, Daniel Lynch, who has been successful from there, kind of told them to shove it when they wanted to have him switch and change how he was approaching pitching. Uh, was kind of the opposite of what happens where they it's you know it's a they 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 tinker with approaches for college success and then it doesn't translate well. I mean, you can look recently. Uh, I mean, think how excited everyone got about Derek Fisher, the outfielder from Virginia with Arizona and just an Arizona drafted by Houston, went to Toronto as a trade piece and was just recently designated for assignment. Yeah, there's Ryan Zimmerman uh, and there's Sean Doolittle, who was not a pitcher there. And yeah, it's a it's not a good list. Uh, you know, Mark Reynolds is your number three most productive player in that program's history. So. I always get nervous. So he's up Virgin- against it, is what you're saying. I, yeah, I, you know, it's a lot of Danny Holtons, and then there's Connor Jones, uh, who was supposed to be a first rounder and was not, and players like that. Uh, and teams have gotten leery. Now, Paven Smith is playing well. Sorry, I'm just trying to get my cat so he doesn't keep making noise. Uh, Paven Smith is playing well after some sh- struggles originally, so he might break into that top five. Uh, but we're still waiting to see a starting pitcher from Virginia. It could be Abbott. You know, he was a reliever before he kind of transitioned to a starter, and he did much better in that role this year. There were some command issues before. Uh, he's an interesting lead and pitch well, and I'll be curious to see if he can continue to grow. The one upside, as I, I give all these negatives, uh, you know, hey, I could say at the same time, if you're a, a fan of Vandy, Virginia fans always get mad at me. I'm like, well, hey, Vandy's most productive hitter ever was Pedro Alvarez. So, that you know, it, it goes around to a lot of teams, but uh, the nice thing is, you guys are the Reds, and you are going to take him apart. If there's anything that was badly taught to Andrew Abbott, it will be fixed. It will be redone. 
I'm going to go on record now. Like I trust the Reds. It's a place where I was kind of hoping Jaden Hill would go because visibility. I loved when they drafted Joe Boyle a year ago because uh, for as bad as Virginia is, Notre Dame was the worst for development for a few years. New coaching staff in 2020 to doing a much better job. I don't want to disparage the program now, but I mean, Andrew Abbott has a chance to be the greatest pitcher from the University of Virginia in the big leagues because uh, a they really haven't had one and b but you know you can just instead run with the hot one that i'm saying andrew abbott future greatest pitcher in virginia history in the majors uh but i, I also just tr- love trust the reds <laughs> yeah he's they haven't had one yet and the reds are really good at pitching development so i would uh he's got that opportunity absolutely love that plus i mean with kyle Bodie and Derek johnson and the way that they have aligned the organizational development i remember at least in years past probably about four or five years ago, they were talking about how if a prospect would be a Dayton, he would be learning it one way, then he'd get to Chattanooga, he'd learn it a different way, then he'd get to Louisville and he'd learn it a different way. And so by the time he got to the major leagues, he's like, I think I can throw it to home plate. So now yeah, they are all some guys who came from the Reds and it was like, they came to the Indians. I'm not going to throw anyone on the bus and say their names. Uh, it's not quite as bad. It's like, I can talk about like when Mike Clevenger came in, he's like, the angels gave me a notebook. Uh, that was their, their approach for a young player, but the Reds were just about as bad. And guys who would come over from that would come to the Indians and be like, "Oh my God, I wasted the early years of my career. I could have maybe been a major leaguer if I had come here first. Like that was that was a general feel. Like they were telling uh, people like that the you know they felt that uh, the Reds had significantly sent them back due to the approach you're talking about. Yeah, I'm I'm just glad that they've got that all figured out. No, it's and- great now. It is there are people now. that are excited to work with the guys at the hundred percent. I'm happy with that. So real quickly, cause yeah. you've given me way more time than I've asked you. <laughs> I, I appreciate you so much. I, I didn't want to take you too much away from the draft, but there are lots more picks than just those ones that we've talked about. Are there any sleepers, any later round guys that really have your antennas perked up and you're like, Ooh, maybe the reds could turn this dude into something. So I was joking beforehand, I at least have to give my conspiracy theory when I looked at this draft, you know, they go out and they add Ruben Ibarra, who I'll talk about, who's six foot five, two ninety, and they already have Amir Garrett, and they added, you know, Justice Thompson, who's like six four, two oh five, and just a plus athlete. I think the Reds are gonna petition the league that instead of going to extra innings, uh games should be decided in pickup basketball games. That is my theory <laughs> that they are building a pickup basketball like squad uh like that it. is gonna be unbeatable compared to any other I mean, they already have a huge advantage, obviously with Garrett, but uh, you know, uh, Michael Lorenzen, such an athlete. Like I think they are building an unbeatable pickup squad. Uh, <laughs> I do like Ruben Abara, San Jose state, small school production. Six, five, two is just fun to look at as a baseball player, but he walks a lot. Uh, could have some more power there potentially. I mean, he was a double digit guy, but when you see that six, five, two you expect more power than there was, but I do like to see the walk rate. Uh, Kevin Abel was not related to Mick. Uh, but he was really good at points for Oregon kind of came apart this year. I think he was pressing too hard wanting, you know, he had some second round talk entering 2020 as just a solid back end guy goes to a perfect team to kind of get him back on, on track. And I mean, you and I talked about when we did that crossover draft or uh, trade podcast, I should say yeah. the value in someone like Wade Miley, like if he can be like a four or five in a Wade Miley mode, there's value there. And then I know he's, not a big name and he's probably not gonna even get a big bonus but jack rogers in the ninth round out of sam houston teammate of colton Kowser, and yes it's a smaller conference with production but when i go through his data one of the things that stands out so 
Uh, Chris Mitchell used to do the Cato system, K-A-T-O-H at Fangraphs. And he was uh, really influential in terms of me looking at data and realizing what is valuable and what isn't. And one of the big things he found when you did a big study was the value of BAPIP in lower miners production, uh, that it it shows quality contact skills and that in some respects, like it's going to be more representative of future hit tool success than say batting average. So when you look at a, a Rogers 451 BAPIP this year, 397 for his career. So yes, he is facing lower competition, but that's what you need to see. That's more important than average. Like I'm not even looking at his averages. I go right to bat pip walking 10 and 12, you know, 12% this year. Home runs snuck up. Like he's I'm not yeah, this strikeouts are high and it's 23% is not the worst thing as a, a senior and it is a lower level competition. Uh but normally excuse me, people would look at him in the ninth round sign and move on. I, I think there's a little bit more, you know, maybe it's like when Mark Payton was, didn't he end up as the Reds pick where he was a senior sign where it's like, and he's played in the big leagues uh, mm-hmm. since then. So I, I'm not necessarily saying this guy's going to be a star, but could he end up on a Mark Payton type of track? Absolutely. Uh, I have to mention Jose Torres, who I think was the best defender at short. I saw, I don't know if the bat's going to get, uh better but amongst the college group i mean he's at least a future utility guy with that role i mentioned justice Tom, uh, thompson like after the first month with what he was doing he had some like first and second round run uh just a good athlete one of those guys you hope to develop it's it's a fun class even going down to like day three today uh yeah directional michigan on the board with blake dunn i mentioned mike mike troutwine who you know catchers have to be smart he's a northwestern kid like a 12 or 13% walk rate, uh, double digit home runs, not the best contact. Uh, so I was just looking at Blake Dunn because I'm like, I know this name. He, uh, and this is this MLB, and this is why I remember that he is the second leading scorer in the state history of Minnesota or of, Minnesota, of Michigan. Wow. How about that? The sec- in football, second leading scorer in the entire <laughs> state, was a state champion in the hurdles. Uh, you know, he's a really interesting athlete, uh, some injury issues, but I'm like, I know this name. Why do I know Mike Dunn? It's because he's this guy who was a high level athlete, six, three, two, 60. If you know, sixties, that's on fire. Uh, wow. like I said hurdle champ, uh, also used to be a pitcher who could hit mid nineties. So that, that's, that's fun. Uh, Sean, they got was a Florida recruit in the 11th round. So, you know, someone has to be pretty good when he's leaving, uh, one college to go to Florida, so yeah, I just, you know, even here we are on day three and I'm three guys that I was like, oh yeah, I didn't remember that guy. I remember that guy. So, and then I just, I, it's a team where their developmental cycle. So I'm very curious to see what they will get out of uh, pitching when they, you know, it's been more of a hitter focused draft, but you know, I, I think it is a solid class. It's a really solid, strong class. Give me that athleticism. I, I love it. I love it. Oh, and, yeah. and you meant. And you mentioned Ruben Abara. He has the chance to be the fourth red ever to make it to the major leagues, whose name is Ruben. And the other guys, I don't think they drafted. They, obviously, they didn't draft Ruben Sierra, but they also had Ruben Rivera and Ruben Mateo. So it'll be I fun to see you. Yeah, and we can I remember all three of them. It's- I just don't remember. I know Sierra was a red, but it was like for a half a second. I remember him as a Yankee. So yeah, <laughs> I, well, I remember him as like for me, he's a Texas Ranger. Like that's where my mind goes with Ruben Sierra. He's Texas Ranger, and then all the bouncing around and 
it's a fun career to look at because I just it's a peaks and flow or not peak, ebb and flow, um, high yeah, peaks, yeah. low valleys. You know, I'm confusing my stuff, but yeah, he's. Uh, you know, hey, it's uh, the long tradition of Yankees and Reds outfielders with uh, Paul O'Neill, Ruben Sierra, and Roberto Kelly. Oh yeah, <laughs> he had a lot of a lot of those peaks and valleys, guys. But Jeff, dude, I appreciate you. It's funny too. You mentioned, and before we go, you mentioned the uh, mock GM episode that we have. Hoping to do more of those with more hosts from the Lockdown Network. But uh, you had mentioned that uh, Tito really loved Mike Freeman, and uh, there's a great stat on him. I've been hammering this stat in the first half of the season sort of whenever he starts in the lineup the reds are nine and zero, so undefeated whenever mike freeman starts yeah, that's, can't that's get any better than that. him it's you yeah. know it's just he's a winner never mind that never mind he's hitting 214 and he's slugging 214 uh, that's a, another uh topic entirely but hey it's all right. Jeff, I thank you so much for joining me and talking draft with us. You can follow Jeff Ellis on Twitter at Jeff MLB draft. And he's got lots more takes where it comes to the draft there on Twitter. Jeff, thanks so much. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Uh, no, I'd love to come back. Thanks for having me on. And that'll do it for us here today. Thank you guys so much for watching and listening. We'll talk to each and every one of you again tomorrow right here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed. You follow on the app that you're currently listening to. And you follow me on Twitter at Jeff Carr with three Fs. Follow the show at Lockdown Reds. But that'll do it for us here today. Now, hopefully Castellanos and Winker can get us some hits tonight. And we'll be talking about that tomorrow right here on the Lockdown Reds podcast. Thank you so much. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.